Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Well, let's get into it. Does anyone remember years ago, who loves a good Mods ice cream? Who loves Mods? Two people, come on, this is, this is Northern Ireland. Who loves Mods ice cream? Poober, Belgian chocolate. I, that stuff essentially raised me. That was my nutrients as a kid. Remember my granny, my sweet granny, she picked me up from school in, uh, in Lambeg and she'd drive me to Belfast every day where she lived. And she picked me up. And my granny used to do, do you remember back in the day, all, probably all the grannies were doing, there was that, it was called like Uni-Slim or something. The grannies were in a club, like a diet club. And they would all go, it was actually awful. You couldn't get away with it. I remember my granny used to tell me about it. She's like, yeah, you're on this strict diet plan. And then they march you in in front of everyone and put you on the scales. And they pretty much tell you how well you've done or how bad you've done. And my granny was in this thing and she used to, she used to be in it all the time. And she was getting really strict with this diet. But every day when we drive from school to her house, we'd drive past the Maud's ice cream. And she would always turn to me on the way there and she would always go, fancy a wee Maud's? Just a wee one, no one has to know. Don't tell your granda, don't tell anyone, we'll just go in. And I was like, you know, as a six year old, like, absolutely, like, let's go in. And we used to go, we would be going every day, every day after school, two, three scoops, two, three scoops, to the point where like, I was like a Maud's VIP, you know what I'm saying? I'd walk in, there'd be a queue, I'd be like, look, I know Maud, mate. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like, like, out of the way. Like, the guy knew exactly. I'd be like, get to the bottom of that tub and get the honeycomb out, get the syrup out. I always had the best, the best scoops. And I, I remember my granny, like, every time she'd come back, she'd get frustrated. She's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not losing any weight. I don't hit my targets at, um, at this thing every day. And I was, I remember one day, just as a week, as a kid saying to her, well, look, Maybe you just stop hitting the mods on the way home from school every day and you might get there. And she went, I never thought about that. And I was like, oh, granny, it's three scoops of high caloric ice cream every day on the way home. And it's interesting, but it just never crossed her mind that are we trip the mods every day might be the reason she's not hitting her points or whatever it was she had to hit. All her friends were doing this club. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Does anyone remember those things back in the day? No? Yeah. And... Um, it's interesting that thought about the wee things that we don't think about, the little compromises that actually end up impacting what we're trying to achieve. And really that's what I want to talk about tonight. And the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is called, What's in Your Tent? What's in Your Tent? We're going to pick straight up in Joshua, the book of Joshua. Let me set the scene of what's going on here. So the Israelites are literally, they've crossed the Jordan and they've taken... They're stepping into the promise of God. They're stepping into everything he has for them. They're stepping into the promised land. This is the stuff they've been praying about, dreaming about for years. Finally, they've got a leader. Moses, God told Moses, you're not going to see it, but your, uh, your mentee, the guy you've been sowing into, Joshua, he's going to go and he's going to lead the people of Israel and they're going to take this land. And they have this amazing start. They take the city of Jericho, it's awesome. They walk around it seven times and they blow the trumpet, the walls come down. And they have this epic start to taking and stepping into the promise of God, okay? And what we're going to be talking about tonight is us, as a church community, stepping into the next stage of the promise of God. And so they have this amazing start, and then they come to this part where things start to get a little bit tricky. So they've had an amazing first battle, and we'll pick up in Joshua 7, 
And we're going to read a little bit. And the title, when you read this here, is called Akins or Aiken's Sin. And we're going to be talking about this a lot. So let me just verify and give context to what the word sin there means. Now, we make sin a dirty word. We make it, when we hear the word sin, we probably automatically think sexual sin. We probably automatically go to specific things that we think. But sin is really all about that middle letter I. And sin really, what when it boils down to it, is the things that we choose over God. It's God said this, but we go, no, I'm going to do this. It's, hey, God, I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to pretend you don't exist, and I'm going to do what I want to do instead. It's choosing lifestyles, behaviors, ideologies, other gods, whatever you want to call it, over that of what God's asked us to do. Ultimately, it's disobedience to the things of God, and really what it means in the translation is missing the mark. God had a mark, and we missed it. So we're going to be talking about it a lot. So check this out. So they've stepped in, and what's happening right now is they're about to take on this little new town called AI, and, uh, and it's the next place for them to conquer. And what happens is they go, and they're planning to take on this city, and check it out. We'll pick up here in Joshua 7. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took some of them, so the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near beth Aven, to the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out the next step, the next part of the promised land. What had happened is, whenever they'd taken Jericho, the Lord had said that that is for me. He'd said, that whole city, you got to dedicate it to me. None of the plunder, none of the things that are in there you get to take for yourself. This is the first city you conquer, so you dedicate everything to me. But Achim, we read, took some, some stuff. He saw some of the things that were in the city, and he pocketed it, he coveted it, and he took it. And this is what we're reading about. So then the guys go up, and they check out this little city that we just read. And they're like, oh, it's a tiny wee town. Take it. Actually, don't even send up the whole army. Just send up a few of the boys and you'll be fine. We're going to take this city. And what happens is because God said, because they didn't get in line with what God had asked them, they go to try and take this city and the Israelites get routed. 36 of them get killed. They get pushed back. And we pick up here in verse 6 where Joshua's responding to what happens. He says, Then Joshua tore his clothes and he fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same, and they sprinkled dust in their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you bring the people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we'd be content on the other side of the Jordan. So he's already, he's already seen this great victory in Jericho. They have a little defeat, and he's freaking out. He's like, we never should have crossed. We never should have done this. You ever step into some of the things that God's asked you to do, and you have that thought? Never should have bothered, should have went back. He says, pardon your servant, Lord, but what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and other people will hear about it, and they will surround us, and they'll wipe our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? Check this out. Check out God's response, right? Then the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing in your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things, and they have stolen, they have lied, and they have put them with their possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies, because they turn their backs and run and have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore until you destroy whatever is among you, or you get whatever is among you and that is devoted to destruction. So check this out. 
God's go, or Joshua's going, Lord, help. Help, get involved. And what's God say? No, you get up and go and sort it out <laughs> in a very Northern Irish term. He's like, stuff's went on and you need to address it. Stuff's happened in your life and you need to go and fix it in the community. We read on anyway and what Joshua does is he gets all the guys together and he lines them up one by one, family by family, till they come to Achan. And, and then we come to Achan, it says this in verse 19. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you've done, do not hide it from me. And then Achan replies, he's been caught. He says, it's true. I've sinned against the Lord and the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw the plunder, the beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. You do a wee bit of research under around how much Achan actually took and it wasn't a life-changing amount of money. It would have been probably equivalent to about two or three thousand pounds. Decent, but not a life-changing amount of money. Achan saw something that he knew he shouldn't have had, saw something that God told him not to take, and something happened where he went, I just want it, I'm going to take it. And it wasn't even a life-changing amount of money. So Joshua sent messengers, they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua, and all of the Israelites spread it out before the Lord. We then go on to read that this actually ended up costing Achan his life and his family's lives. And it's an interesting portion of Scripture because we see that everything was available. The whole, all the promise of God was available right there for the Israelites. They'd heard about it for years. Everything was right there. The whole land was out before them. And they'd even had a good start. They'd taken the toughest city. And because they didn't get in line with what God had asked them to do, they couldn't take another step. The promise was there. God said it. I will give you this land. I will give you this. There's promises for this church. There's promises for you and for your family. And they're right there. But here we read about the Israelites. There's the promise, but you ain't going anywhere until this gets sorted. Isn't that wild? And Achan, what did he do? You wouldn't think it's that big a deal. It's a wee compromise that he made, a little compromise that actually put pause on everything. And I know what you're thinking, you're like, yeah, but Ryan, come on, like, is it really that applicable to, 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 to today, you know? They're talking about battles, they're talking about taking territory, taking land. 2023, we're under the New Covenant, New Testament, absolutely. We're going to talk about that later. But it actually is applicable. Because when we read in Ephesians 6.12, it says this, that we fight a new battle. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What is Paul saying? You still have a battle, New Testament believer, follower of Jesus Christ. You still have a battle. It doesn't look like a physical one. Or those, those battles are still going to happen. But your battle as the follower of Jesus, it's going to be a spiritual one. And the same principles that the people of God used in the Old Testament to fight their physical battles are the same principles that we take, we learn from, to fight our spiritual battles. 
You've got a promise. Your family has a promise. God's got something for you. He's got something for this church. He's got a promised land for you and your family and for this church to step into. But who knows that we got some principles that we need to follow to take that land, to take that promise. Because you can hear the promise. I have all this for you. Exactly what he said to them. For years, it's all here. Because of one thing, one dude done, God's like, pause. Told you this was a broccoli message. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm going to get to the good part at some stage. So I got three points looking at what the Israelites done that we can learn from so that we can step into the promised land that God has for our lives, for our families, and for our church, for this church. He's up for that? Now these, these points, you know, I wanted to be a youth pastor again. I was like, I want to. I want points that rhyme, you know. I want them to be swanky. I want them to sound cool. One-liners, you know, maybe tattoo-worthy points. Who knows? Who knows? And so these points I put a lot of thought into in the rhyme and all, and I think you're really going to be blessed by them. Point number one, you ready? This is deep. Obey or pay. Obey or pay. I grew up um, just outside to Murray on the way, I kind of call it no man's land. People there don't know if they're from Lisburn or from, Be from Belfast. It's like weird. It's like you're 02890, but you're Lisburn Borough Council, you know what I'm saying? A little bit of an identity crisis going on where I grew up. And I grew up in like an estate just south of De Murray. And it was like growing up, it was a wee bit rough back in the 90s. Like not the roughest place in Belfast by any means, but it was definitely rough enough. And my mom was really paranoid every time I would go out to play. And there was this kind of, I want to call it a green space, but it was more like a concrete space with weeds outside the front of the house. And my mum would say, look, here's the rules, son. You can call for your mate Aaron over there where I can see you, but you have to stay in this space. You can't, because she was just paranoid. She didn't want me getting into fights or falling in with the wrong crowd or anything. So she had strict rules. I remember one time calling from mate Aaron. He's like, you don't know what's down here, mate. There's rivers, there's, all sorts down there, so much to explore. Let's go, man, let's go. I was like, I don't know. My, my mom sort of said, like, kind of have to stay and play here. And, you know, she, she's pretty strict, like. And he went, no, come on, we'll be all right. So we went exploring all the way down the back. And da, 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 da. of course, my mom looks out the window and calls everyone in the family. My dad, my uncles, my cousin, get down here, find him. And I'm down and literally my mom was right as mums always are, at the point where some boy had started on me, some boy twice my age and wanted to fight me, my dad just pulls up and he goes, there's about 10 people looking for you, son, and your mom isn't happy, I'm telling you, when you get home, you're going to pay. Why? Because you didn't obey. <laughs> and I get home and I'm not even going to tell you the utensil of choice that my mom had in her hand awaiting as I arrived, but I'll tell you one thing. I never did it again. <laughs> because my mom had set a rule, and there was consequences to breaking that rule. And here's the thing. In the world, it's easy for us to follow rules. There's consequences if we drive too fast. There's consequences if we take something out of Asda and walk past the cameras. There's consequences. And we find it easy to keep those rules for the most part. But why do we find it so hard when our Heavenly Father that created us 
from before we were born, knit us together in our mother's womb, our heavenly Father that holds the earth together, the one that knows every, un, every rule behind the scene, every law. Why do we find it so hard to listen to his commands? It's interesting, isn't it? Because even just look at some of the Ten Commandments, I remember having a revelation of this early, early in my walk with Jesus where I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, you know, every command I've given you, son, is for your benefit. I was so arrogant when I got saved. I was like, Lord, I'm not going to do anything you tell me unless I feel like I should. I'm just going to live the way I was living. I want you, of course. I want you. I want everything you've got for me. I want salvation. I want relationship. But, you know, I'm just going to keep living my own way because I've been doing it for so long and I can have both. And I felt like the Holy Spirit convict me and go, no, son, every command I've given you is for your benefit. Every command in this book is to help you thrive, to help you become more like me, to help you step into what I've called you to do. I mean, even look at the Ten Commandments, for example. They're pretty, they're pretty, pretty good commandments. But thou shalt not kill, you know what I'm saying? It's a pretty good command for you and especially people around you. Every command of the basic ones, the more intricate ones that we can't understand, the Lord has given us for our good. And he gives them to us because he loves us. I know that's hard to understand, but the commands he gives us, he gives us because he loves us. My daughter, Sophia, some of you have met her. Um, she's 18 months now, and she's talking, learning new words every day. Carmen said to me the other day, we counted 90 words that she's saying. And she's speaking mainly in Spanish because my wife is Spanish is her first language. Um, but she's speaking some English too. But the first word she learned, apart from dada, was no. No. And she says it so sassy. Like, I'll like be trying to feed her, and she'll be like, no, no, no. And she'll just walk, no, no, no. Even you're trying to command her, you're trying to teach her stuff, like you can't run there, you can't, you can't jump off the sofa head first. No, no, no. And she's getting to the point now where like, she thinks I'm withholding something from her. She'll go to jump off the sofa head first. She'll go to do something silly. And I'm like, girl, don't, no. And she'll be like, she'll start crying. Why? No, just let me do what I want. I'm like, no, girl, I love you. I don't want you to somersault off the sofa. I don't want you to eat out of the garbage. I love you. That's why I'm saying no. And here's the thing with God. With every command God gives us, sometimes we're like my daughter. Why? Leave me alone. Let me do what I want. And God's sitting there going, I love you. That's why I'm saying no. That's why I've asked that. Because I want you to grow. I want you to step into everything I've called you to. I don't want you to get hurt. And here's the thing when we read about Achan. It sucks. Achan paid for his disobedience. We read in Joshua 24. We go on to read that Achan ends up, like Joshua says, trouble's going to come on you today because you've disobeyed what we've asked. You've disobeyed the Lord. This is going to be bad for you. And ultimately, we go on to read that it costs him his life. Because here's the thing. Jesus covers our sin absolutely, but there's still consequence for it. Does Jesus cover our sin? 100%, and we're going to talk about that. But there's still consequence for it. And we need to remember that every command from our Heavenly Father is to help you, your family, and us as a church community step in and take that promised land. Here's the thing. We go on to read, after they get it right, 
After they figure it out and Joshua sorts it out, we go on to read, how many kings do they defeat? It's, they defeat 31 kings. After they get in the slipstream of God, they just take the whole land like that. They see miracles. The sun stands still for a day as they're fighting. They see miracle after miracle. They take land after land. They take city after city. So point number one, rhymes. It's a youth pastor one. Obey or pay. Point number two, even better. You ready? Obey or stay. Um, anyone here like traveling, like air, air, airplane flying? Yeah. Anna loves it. Up the back, hands straight up. I actually don't mind traveling. I actually kind of like airports in a weird way. Like, I actually love kind of hanging out in airports and walking around and people watching and seeing where everyone's going and where everyone's from. But I really dislike the process. I dislike getting there. I dislike getting through security. And who knows when you're coming up to security? Like, I don't know, if you're like me, like Carmen will tell you, when I get to an airport, I'm just, like, I'm 100 miles an hour. And, um, and I'll get to security, and I'm like, babe, make sure everything's ready. Like, we need to fly through security. Have your iPads out. Have your, have your liquids out. And who knows, there's always one person in front of you that's trying to get, like, a rotisserie chicken through security. They're trying to get, like... They're trying to get like two liters of Coke through security. And it's always the same thing. Whenever like the bag goes through and it does that, we did. The guy goes, this your bag? Yep. He's putting out, there's a two liter bottle of Coke. There's this. You know, you can't bring this through. Oh, I had no idea. <laughs> Have you traveled, traveled before? Yeah, but I just thought, oh, you just thought? Normally what they say is, oh, you thought, did you? Here's the thing. Unless it goes, you don't go nowhere. And some people fight it and all. They're like, well, I need to bring it. And the guy will have to go, well, you're not going to where you're going. Get in line with what we're, what we're asking you to do. You're just going to stay put. And that's what we're reading about, how the promise of the Lord was right there to be had. Literally, right there for the Israelites. And God went, no. There was a wee time that when the soldiers went and looked at it, they were like, oh, we could take that. And they couldn't even take a little town of a few thousand people because God was like, I'm not, until we get this sorted, until you get in line with what I've asked you, we're not going to go. God says we're going nowhere. We're reading Joshua 7, 11. It says, Israel has sinned. They violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They've taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen, they have lied, and they have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they've been made liable to destruction. I'll not be with you anymore until you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. God's saying, when Joshua prays, you ever do that? Like anyone in any time, whenever you know you're going against God, you know you're doing something silly. And then you're like, Lord, help! When you end up in a mess. That's exactly what Joshua done. Some of his men, some of what was happening, got into mess, and Joshua was like, why, Lord? Why is things falling apart? And God goes, get up and sort it out. Simple. And sometimes when we pray to God, I've learned recently, hence why I wrote this message, that that's what God's saying to me. I'm going, Lord, can you just fix this? Like, it's a mess. And he's going, no, you got into the mess. Stop doing that. I've told you. That's what he says to Joshua. He says, stand up. 
Get up off your face. Israel sinned. Go and fix what's going on. It's as simple as that. And in our lives, we need to ask, Lord, what's the thing? Are we praying for God to come and fix messes that he said, come on, if you would just get in line with what I've asked you to do, everything's going to be sweet. And I'm preaching to myself here, guys, because this message, and I'm going to share a little bit in a minute, came out of me wrestling with God for years over certain things, feeling like I couldn't win little battles, little AIs, little towns of AI, feeling like little things would just make me fall. Little things, feeling like I couldn't step forward. And me going, Lord, why, why? And Lord going, why? You know why. And it took me to be mature, to, go, to look internally and go, what's in my tent? What am I hiding? What's in my life that I need to just give to Jesus and let go? <clears throat> and so the third point. First ones will bear pay, the second ones will bear stay. Third one's the best one so far. Obey ain't gray. That's not even good English. <laughs> Doesn't even make sense, actually. Let me, be, <clears throat> let me be a little bit vulnerable. Remember, this is something that I really got sorted in the past two years. Remember being in ministry in London and for ages... Remember, I had something that I was keeping in my tent, and I'll be honest, and this is, again, just because I feel like I'm through the other side of it now, but let me be completely honest here with you guys, I'm vulnerable. And it was probably, it was around the area of alcohol. And I was in ministry, I was pastoring, and I wasn't doing anything where anyone could have pointed the finger at me, because most of the things that we hide from God, they're things that happen behind the scenes. Things that, you know, hey, shh, no one has to know, but hey, you know and more importantly, God knows. And I remember in this area, it was just something where it wasn't crazy. You know, not, again, nothing where anyone could have went. But it was just more than what I knew was right. If I was out with friends, I'd maybe have the appropriate amount. Two glasses of wine, three, whatever. But then I always wanted a wee bit something extra. And really what it was, maybe even more, <clears throat> and really what it was, was I wanted comfort. I wanted to escape. I didn't want to go to God with my issues. I remember one time when I was going through an awful time, arguing with God, going, <clears throat> I know if I drink enough of that, what will happen? I don't know what you're going to do next. And that was the wrestle I was in. And I felt like the Lord say, you need to trust me. I actually felt like the Lord kept bringing me back to Genesis to where Cain and Abel and God says to Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. And I kept feeling like the Holy Spirit said to me, Ryan, you are on a line here, bro. That if you don't get a grip of this, it's going to take you out. And here's what I'd done for many years. Again, it wasn't anything crazy or anything where anyone could have pointed the finger. But I'd made it gray. I'd been like, it's all right. Everyone does it. What like, I'm not hurting anyone. This happens, behind, this happens behind the scenes, that those extra few ones, those ones to get me to where I need to be, those ones to help me comfort, this happens there. It doesn't matter. And what I started doing was I started normalizing it. I'm making it gray. And honestly, I, I feel like 
When we start normalizing sin, it's really a downward spiral. Because what we're saying to God is we're going, I'm not listening to you anymore. And I'm going to make it gray what you said. You said don't do X, Y, Z, but I'm just going to gray it a little bit. And here's the thing about making sin gray is that's the original sin. God gave two commands. He said, eat from the tree and you'll die or don't eat from it and everything's going to be good. And what did the serpent do? Did God really say? Let's gray this up a wee bit. Let's take, this, let's take this down a notch. Let's go, yeah, but you'll be all right. And here's the thing. When we start to normalize sin, when we start to normalize disobedience, it's usually the beginning of a downward spiral to where things get worse and worse. And here's the thing. If we keep drowning out God's voice and saying, no, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right, eventually God's voice becomes blurry. Because we know what he said on many things in our life. We know the things we're keeping in our tent. And maybe for you, you're like me a few years ago where that was the thing you kept in your tent. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's the, the apps you're on. Maybe it's the things you're looking at. Maybe it's the things like me that no one knows about. We read in Joshua 7, 21 this. Achan says, When I saw the plunder... A beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and I took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. Somewhere in Achan's decision making, he looked at that thing and he justified it. He went, I know I shouldn't take it. I know it's going to damage me. I know it's going to damage my community. But somewhere in his head... He justified taking that. He justified disobeying God and he made it gray. And it was the beginning of destruction for him. Now here's the beautiful thing. Because of Jesus, we don't have to suffer the same fate as Achan. But I'll tell you one thing. God has got a massive call on this church. He's got a massive call for your family He's got a promise. He's got things that he's calling you to, things that he needs you to step into. And I'm telling you, it's wee things, it's little things that can get in the way of you stepping into that. I don't know what you're thinking. You're going, Ryan, but yeah, what's the solution? What if there's something and you're holding on to it and you're like, I don't think I'll ever beat it. I don't think I'll ever get over it. I don't think I'll ever be able to conquer this thing. I don't think I'll ever have the courage to take this thing from outside the tent and go, Lord, have it. Well, see, because of Jesus and what he done on the cross, guess what he did to sin? He took it and he nailed it to the cross with him. And in dying, he defeats sin. In being resurrected again three days later, he conquers death. So the thing that ultimately would take you, Jesus conquered. But like we talked about earlier, we still need to get in line with the principles that God has called us to. So what do, what do you do? Well, it's a beautiful word that we read about in 1 John called repentance. It says in 1 John that if we take what's in our tent, the things that we're covering, the things that we're holding, the things that are holding us back, if we take those behaviors, those sins, and we take them and we run to the Lord with them, it says if we confess them, sometimes we think it's confessed to other people. Most times, 
the Bible's saying, just confess them to God. Don't hide them. Because ultimately, what happened to Achan? He kept that thing in his tent. He hid it. He held on to it. He coveted it. But what is God asking us to do tonight? He's saying, son, daughter, don't. I love you so much. Give it to me. Because I went to the cross, that thing doesn't have to hold you anymore. You take it and you run to me with it. And you give it to me. And I promise I'll be waiting with open arms. It says in 1 John, if we confess our sins, if we repent and we run to God, that every time, every time, He will justify us. He will cleanse us of whatever it is. Every time. That is good news. Every time we fail, every time we fall, because of the blood of Christ, we get to pick it up and go, Lord, I'm sorry. And what does it say in Luke 15 when the prodigal son comes running back? Does it say he's ready to give a lecture? Does it say he's ready to slap you? Does it say he's ready to condemn you? What does it say in Luke 15? Come on, you know, it says that the father is waiting with open arms. That prodigal son sinned against his father, pretty much treated him as if he was dead. But what does it say? He came to his senses and he turned. Repentance means to turn back, to turn away from. He ran to his father and his father was waiting. And that's because of Christ. And so because of the cross, what's the solution? You keep repenting. You know, with the things that I've had to deal with, the things that I just shared about, I don't know how many times I've repented, how many times I've come running back, but I'm telling you, I've never felt like the Holy Spirit would take it away from me. I've always felt the embrace of the Father. And I'm telling you, you choose the Father enough and He'll become your choice rather than the thing. So if you have to repent for the rest of your life, five, 10, 100 times a day, then the Father's gonna be waiting with open arms. But I'm telling you, if you keep trying, don't hide it, give it to the Lord. <clears throat> then the Lord, the Father will pick you up. He'll hug you. He'll bring you into, back into the house. He'll restore you. And as we run to Him enough, I'm telling you, we end up beating that thing. We end up handing it to Him. We end, turns out that God becomes our choice the more we choose Him. Figure that. But don't keep it in the tent. Give it to the Lord. So tonight, it was a vulnerable one. I felt like I needed to share it. I felt like it was appropriate. But tonight's the night to, if you have something to run to God, to give it to Him. Because honestly, the promises of the Lord are too good. They're too good. Every time I thought I nearly chose that thing over Him, it's never worth it. The plans He has for you, for your family, for this church are too good. It's worth, it's worth it. It's worth running. It's worth taking it out. It's worth giving it to him. Trust me, he can handle it. 
let me say this before we go. It says in 1 John that this is love. Not that we love God first, but that he loved us first. So much so that he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus has paid the price for every sin, for everything you could possibly keep in that tent. You just got to give it to him. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.